This is Irish Stephen Bear from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to The Shuttle Pod. You lucky sons of bitches. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Shuttle Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Yacovino, and I am joined by my very good friends, Matt Wright. Hey, guys. And Jared Whitley. Hello, friends. Today is Wednesday, August 19th, 2020, and this is ShuttlePod episode number 85. Today we are going to go back and do something that I would put more in the category of a sort of a typical OG ShuttlePod episode, Mm -hmm. Um, looking back at at some great episodes and chatting about them. And, you know, lately, while there has been some new Trek content on the air, we have Lower Decks, which has started, and Discovery Season 3 is coming up. It still is a, a good time to rewatch Star Trek. I mean, when isn't a good time to rewatch Star Always Trek? Always a good time, yeah. <laughs> but definitely the world is pretty crazy right now. It has been for the last eight months and probably will continue to be. And so it's we just felt like now more than ever, people could use the comfort food version of Star Trek. Mm. And that is you oh, know, yeah. n- not a wholesale rewatch necessarily, unless that's your thing, go for it. Um, more of like, you know, I just want to sit on the couch, grab a bag of chips and a beer and watch my, like a great episode of Star Trek and smile at the end of it. Yes, totally. So that's the theme of today's episode is what are our our most rewatchable episodes sort of in that context of, I just want to sit down and watch a random one-off episode. Right. Our comfort food, you might say. Exactly. And and, and so as, as I was looking through the ones that I would classify as this there are some that might make like a best of list which you wouldn't include in this kind of category i mean something right. like there's exactly. that d 9 episode the duet or just duet which is one of their which is fantastic yeah, one of their 10 best yeah. episodes pretty heavy right i right. wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily right. sit not, down and not so light for fun. yeah no <laughs> no um so, or some of the that more uh, um what do you want to call it like uh, uh Social commentary ones are maybe a little bit heavier too. And you yeah, can leave those yeah. maybe for another time. Uh, this is what I put in my mind when you had this. When I can't remember which one of you suggested this is which episode. If I'm flipping channels and I see this one is on, am I going to stop? And so That's I came a perfect up, idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I also I tried to there 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 are some episodes I've talked about at length that I really like that I didn't want to necessarily drill into again. So I tried to find. Some that fit this category, but that I haven't gone off on before. Yeah, I, I, I did. That's what I, I did the to. same thing. I had a bunch of episodes that would maybe make a top twenty list, let's say. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we've talked about them before. We've talked about them to death, and there's so many yeah. great comfort food episodes to track. I was like, let's pick a couple that just like make me smile and make me happy. Sure. So yeah, I yeah, had the yeah, same totally. kind of feeling. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Okay, yeah, hey, great perfect. way to think about it. Well, Jared, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us your top uh, rewatchable episodes that you want to discuss? Okay, so the first one I want to talk about is this Deep Space Nine episode called Rocks and Shoals. Are you guys familiar so with good. this one? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this, at the beginning of season six of Deep Space Nine, they did kind of an unprecedented six-parter uh, about mm-hmm. like the Dominion War. And this episode is um, it's kind of the opposite of a bottle episode because it's all restricted to one little location, but the ship in the bottle has crashed, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> what, what's happened is the um, Kira 
and Quark and Odo are back on the station, but the Starfleet crew and Garrick have fled on the Defiant, and they've suffered some damage. They get caught in a planet's gravity well, and they crash. And so does the Jem'Hadar ship that was chasing them. And so basically, it's just uh, um, our crew is stuck in this situation, and who's going to win, right? Who uh, uh, are, are they going to be able to outlast the, the Dominion, or is the Dominion going to catch up with them? Um Ter- terrific, terrific episode. So much fun. I remember, like, in, it must have come out, what, like 1998? Like, late 90s, early 2000s. I watched this episode a lot. It is it is spectacular. There's a lot of really good action. Uh, it's a lot of good um, Cisco being, um, how, how do I say this, more of the uh, uh, wartime captain than we're used to seeing. There's this great mm-hmm. moment, I think I mentioned it once on the shuttle pod before, where the crew is having their typical Star Trek moral dilemma discussion, where they're like, well, do do we have the right to to just wait until the Jem'Hadar die of their Ketracel White uh, uh, withdrawal syndromes or whatever? Uh, what gives us the right to this? And Captain Sisko just shuts everyone up and says, in the choice between them and us, there is no choice. Like, guys, yeah. this is not <laughs> the time... To be to be pontificating and staring at our belly buttons and asking how many angels can, can <laughs> dance on the head of a pin. This is a fight and we need to win it, right? So spectacular Cisco moment for those of us who uh, um, who uh, uh, put him as our favorite captain, and and um, a lot of other really cool things as well. It introduces uh, a particularly slimy Vorta, like the slimiest yes. race. In, in all of Star Trek. And this guy's the slimiest. His name is Keevan. Yes. And, um, is this he, the, this is the first, the first, this is the first episode. Yeah. yeah. The first, the first of the two Keevan episodes. And I think you wanted to talk about the second Keevan episode, right? Kayla. Well, Hey, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So <laughs> we'll what Keevan basically does the math and he says, I don't have enough Ketracel white to keep the Jem'Hadar going after they've killed you. Because in a straight-up fight, you don't stand a chance against them. I will betray them if you will accept me as a prisoner of war, knowing that that Starfleet is going to be nicer to him. So he's, like, taking advantage of their good nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, uh, it's super-duper slimy, and there's a moment at the end where, like, you can tell Sisko wants to just vaporize him because he's so mad at him. But, of course, he doesn't. Because at that point, once you've won, then you can have your moral dilemma conversation all you want. You can you can debate Shaka Reed until you're <laughs> green in the face. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's just it's just a fun space adventure um, with with just enough Star Trek to keep it going. It also has, in addition to Keevan, the guy who let me make sure I get his his name exactly correct. The uh, um, Phil Morris plays the Jem'Hadar leader, and oh yeah. And and you don't recognize him because he's under no, uh, he's under all the makeup, right? But right. but Matt, what are some of the other uh, um, moments from oh, Star geez, Trek? Phil he's, Morris, yeah, he <clears> was I mean, in, he's been in everything. Yeah, heck, he was, he in, was the young cadet who was in Star Trek Three, asking yep. for like a hero's welcome. I mean, yep. it, it, he's in everything, you know. Uh huh. He 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 he's was in Voyager. He, he was in uh, Friendship One episode of Voyager, and then as a kid, yeah. he was in an episode of the original series. Now, at the time, the yeah. thing he was he was most famous for was playing Jackie Childs on Seinfeld. Yes, that's right. Yep, yep. Jackie Childs. Yeah. Who told and you to put the bomb on? Who told you bomb on? You put the bomb on? Yeah. It's, it's the a bomb. bomb. 
Anyway, so so to see him as this very honorable member of like a, a, a race that you can't really define them as honorable or not because they they're basically slaves, right? Because of the yeah, they're just life. genetically mm-hmm. bred to be soldiers. Yeah, they're yeah. not anything really. And yeah. and so he's desperately trying to be like an honorable warrior and do right what he can in a difficult situation. Uh, just makes a terrific antagonist and very different role for him than than we're used to seeing. Um, trying to think yeah. if there are any other great parts of it, but this episode, if I am flipping channels and we and and someone stops on this and someone goes past this, I'm going to whap the uh, remote control out of there. <laughs> You're like, no, go back. It's <laughs> okay. a yeah. great episode. Yeah, yeah. The Kivon is just great. Like he is, like you say, he is the slimiest of slimy, uh-huh. and he. But he's great. You know, for for it, he's just perfect. He's just. Like calculating, of course. How can he save his own skin? Uh-huh. You know? I hate him so much. Exactly. He's so, you just see him the way he talks and the look on his uh-huh. face. Ugh. Yes, yeah. he's perfect for this just skeezy jerk. You know, uh-huh. he just is. And so it's great that he gets to come up in another episode, which you yes. may or may not talk about. We may or may well, not. I mean, we don't have to go in any particular order. I, maybe it makes sense we talk about that episode now. Well, that's what I think. Yeah, so, if we want to talk about it now, why don't we? The do? one thing I want to insert, I may have said this on the Shadow Pod before, but the thing mm-hmm. that's so great about how they designed the Dominion is they wanted a villain who was more insidious than the Borg and who was more treacherous than the Romulans and who were tougher than the Klingons. And so they came up with the Changelings, the Vorta, and the Jem'Hadar. Who are all sort right, of like no count- one species could do that. <laughs> no, it is just spectacular villain design. And I know I, I talk about Deep Space Nine probably too much, but great episode, great villains. Uh, I think I'm probably gonna rewatch this after we get off the shuttle pod. Hey, everyone should take your really. own advice. It's, it's a great okay. one. Yeah. Everyone should. Okay, thank you for indul- <laughs> thank you for indulging me, my friends. <laughs> well, and just to tag onto what you're saying, like I always thought the the symbiotic nature of the Vorta and the Jem'Hadar was so interesting because we hadn't really seen uh, other sci-fi shows had done, have done things similar like that, mm-hmm. especially where they use like a drug or something to control another race and you have sure. sort of the brains and the brawn, but it was, yeah. um, it was really interesting the way they did it in DS9. I think it's one of the more compelling uh, pairs of species or characters that I've seen like that on compared to other sci-fi shows. And it, for and, sure. it pr- and it provided for more drama, right? Because you don't yeah. just look at the Jem Hadar the way you might um stormtroopers, right? You you kind of there's right. episodes where they look at them as like um well, these these guys yeah. are are victims of this of this Yeah, they're being taken advantage exactly. of. Yeah. yeah. Like the Vorta think they're, you know, cannon fodder, but if you stop and like notice things like like in this one, you know, the Phil Morris the one that Phil Morris played is actually like quite honorable and does what he doesn't really you know want to do he wants to go kill kivon in the end right and instead uh-huh. he's like all right i'll just surrender him because this is like not a winning situation for anyone you uh-huh. know that kind of thing and that's not something that you know the born and bred killing machine would do right so so here there's depth and it's it's just great like there's depth to these, you know, there's, there's individuals, there's individuals, right? They're not <laughs> clone troopers. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, so it's good stuff. And then there's Kivon who might be quite an individual, but I still hate him and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have like no sympathy from. He's definitely not like the way is definitely a, a patriot for lack of a better term. Yeah, he is. But it's interesting though that like, you know how like we learn out that there's all these clones of Wayun, yeah, 
I mm-hmm. guess I, I don't know how many Kivans there are because he certainly wants to save his own skin as if like he's not going to get replaced. Mm. So I wonder what's up with that. <laughs> I mean, he really could just be like a super selfish Vorta, right? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. he just is. And all of them are. It's a flaw, right? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, then, of course, you have the um, like the prestige um, scenario where when you kill one, you clone one and kill the first one, you know, is it's a different person. Sure. So yeah. is that consciousness carried over? Like they they still have a fear of death, even though a clone of them is going to go on. Oh sure, sure. But it, I think it, at a certain point, the way you think, I'm almost just became a joke that he didn't care in a way. Yeah. Because he knew yeah. like number nine would show up or whatever. And it's well, because they had this lost, like his death had lost a lot of meaning in the audience's eyes <laughs> yeah. at that point. So like, well, he's yeah. just going to be back. A clone is just going to be back. Yeah. So I think they played a little bit on that. They did. Yeah, they did. So, and I think this is a really good segue because I think Kivan is the only person, the only, the only, only person or character they could have used in this next episode that I want to talk yes. about, which yes. is called the Magnificent Ferengi. Yeah. And so our group in Trek movie, we've been getting together once a week and watching uh, Star Trek together. So we'll, you know, zoom in um, so we can say hello and chat during an episode or a movie and one of the ones we recently watched, which I hadn't seen in a long time, um, is the Magnificent Ferengi. Which we just watched it on Sunday. Yeah, this yeah, just so less than a week ago. ago. Um, and the the two things that I always um, that I always remembered about this episode were that they go to Empok Nor, so they go mm-hmm. to like the lights shut off, dark version of yeah. Tarak Nor, the like sister station that looks exactly the same tilted (laughs) but everything the camera's at an angle there's like extra like um storage containers in the hallways and they've turned most of the lights off so same sets and it's also the weekend at bernie's episode yes it is yes it is (laughs) and this is a true this is this i think feel like this is the truest to comedy and until lower decks this is like the only pure comedically comedic episode of star trek yeah, it is. And it's, I mean, it's you, got, I guess you could got, say like Trouble with Tribbles. There's another one maybe yeah. that's like totally yeah. comedic. It is, um, yeah. But this is one of the only... There's a lot of good heart in this one too. Yeah, and the whole thing is a joke. Even just the way they do it is a joke. Even the fact that in any other setting... So, you know, in the end what ends up happening... So I'll give a little synopsis for, for our listeners. Um, essentially, uh, Moogie yeah. um, gets kidnapped by the Dominion. And Quark uh, and Rom and Nog and a couple of other Frankie have to band together to try and get her back. And they decided the way that they can do that is by trading a prisoner of war for prisoner of war. Because guess what? In Jared's episode, um, the the Federation had obtained Kivan as a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. And so they figured we can trade him um, to the, the other Vorta and the, the Jemadar and in return we'll get Moogie back. So they go meet them at Empok Nor. Um, of course, eventually, the the, the, the word, they, everything goes like so smoothly. You can't even believe it. Uh, Quark gets them everything that they want, um, but then they start arguing over money. Uh, and Kivan, their only bargaining chip, is shot in the chest <laughs> yeah. with like a phaser rifle, and dies. And they discover that they can pretend fake and they're like they need to meet with to do this prisoner exchange like any minute so they decide that they can put a bunch of um neural stimulators i think they call them yeah 
on his head mm-hmm. and his body parts and control them with a tricorder to mm. make him look like he's moving so that it's he very, can just uh, walk. Spock's brain of them. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the weekend at Bernie's part where they're faking yeah. this dead man being alive just to get him to walk down the corridor so they can get yeah. Moogie and bounce. And the whole, like, I'm watching this and laughing my ass off <laughs> at this guy, like, walking down the corridor and walking sideways. And it, it just occurred to me that in any other context, I would be watching this and going, how could Star Trek do this? Like, it's not funny. A man is dead. Mm. But first of all, it's Kevon. Mm-hmm. And we hate him. And we, <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> we do. hate him. And we know that there's a clone <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. So he's almost feels a lot more expendable. And just because of the way they set up the episode so well, and they, they strung along this very comedic, lighthearted tone, it doesn't, it works. It doesn't feel offensive. It doesn't feel like, oh, we should, wait a minute, we should stop. And, you know, as Jared mentioned before like navel gaze um in this situation we just got to do what we got to do it's it's not like for example if you try to mix the tones of jean-luc picard doing a cartoonish french accent two seconds after you've brutally tortured each up to death like that (laughs) yeah what yeah exactly Hmm. that is the exact way not to do it and in this way it was just this was towards the end of the episode they'd already established this really lighthearted tone and it's funny. It's just, it's like Weekend at Bernie's, like the movie in and of itself. It, if you said, you know, you could paint that as a horror film if you described it in the right way, right? But it's not. It's oh, a comedy. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So this episode, I, I don't know about you guys, but I had an absolute blast re-watching it and like laughed out loud several times. Oh yeah, this this is a delightful episode. No so, question. Yeah, I'm so glad we watched it. I had forgotten how funny it was because I hadn't mm-hmm. hadn't seen it in quite a few years. Yeah, and then of course, like, uh, so Jeff Coombs doesn't get to play Avorta in this one, but of course he's Brunt, oh, that's which right. is yeah. always great. Yep, former there, FCA, there, former there are, FCA. Yes, there are a couple episodes where he actually plays both with yes, both Brunt I and Wayon. Just a handful yeah. of them, though, because obviously there are, but it's it's demand. great. Yeah, because oh, really, I'm, if you want a rock star of especially like later era, you know, Berman era, it's it's Jeffrey Coombs, right? Right. Yeah, like, he's basically the the go-to guy the rock star of like aliens this yeah point. The, the the biggest loss of there not being a fifth season of enterprises they were gonna make shran a perfect shran, character yes yes totally well if you want to talk about rock stars too there's other one other important yes. cameo oh, we should look, mention look how, I, look how we that <laughs> yes <up. laughs> brilliantly done kayla <laughs> thank you thank you done. That was yes. That was he's, uh, he's he's a great addition too. Actually, yeah. we're referring, of course, to Iggy Pop, yeah. who plays the Vorta, who is negotiating with Quark to do this prisoner exchange. Yeah, like you, you know, you wouldn't have thought it, but again, this goes back to like a lot of the Vorta are smug and smarmy and stuff. So Iggy does this whole aloof, kind of overly aloof, really annoyed whole thing. That's just great. It's just great, you know. Uh, he yeah. he also really seems to be having fun with it. Yeah, that's it, it must have exactly. been just a day, but but he was really enjoying himself. Exactly, just a day, and he's having fun and mm-hmm. enjoying being like a weird alien, you know, whatever. It's great, <laughs> and he looks good because he's got like a long face. Yes, he looks alien. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Very enjoyable. Well, Matt, do you want to throw in an episode to the mix? <clears throat> yeah, I know. So I'm trying to think like what I want to throw in there. So it's funny. So to 
defend something before people jump on me and I don't necessarily mean my fellow podcasters. <laughs> oh god what's coming well no 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 I was just gonna say so it's interesting because we talk about like comfort food so like for me as much as I love Deep Space Nine uh Deep Space Nine when we were talking about the thing that you just like chill and maybe don't necessarily pay 100% attention to like on the couch mm-hmm. and you enjoy it the problem quote-unquote problem with deep space nine is i want to just i actually want to pay full attention to it mm. and then i want to keep watching more because it's so good and it's so compelling and then especially when it gets a little more serialized it's like well i can't stop watching now well i can't oh they're about to you know so actually uh it's it, it's you know Maybe it's blasphemous, especially to this group, because we all enjoy Deep Space Nine like a lot. But I don't actually find myself drawn to Deep Space Nine for comfort food, only because I want to find something that I know like inside and out, and I don't want to have to necessarily always pay attention to it. And with Deep Space Nine, I'm just compelled to, right? Like I just have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm, you're describing I, like why people watch rewatch The Office so much. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing, right? For me, so, it's TNG. Exactly, and that's that's what I was gonna say. Is so for me, my kind of list is very TOS and TNG heavy because that's like my fondest sort of like childhood memories are watching those two, and so I'm trying to you know picking honing in on on something. I think I'm gonna choose something pretty pretty out there, just mm. just because you know I like it, but I can explain why. Um, I think I'm going to go. So for me, I have a lot of. I'm on the just, edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of love for TNG season two. Um, it That's kind of where I really got into TNG because like in season one, I didn't really watch it. I was actually just sort of still watching the original series and getting into that at that point. So for me, TNG season two is where like. TNG snapped into focus for me and, and actually really as it turns out for the writing too right like TNG season one was a mess I know Although what you're gonna say terrible. already do you know so anyway, shades of so, gray haha no god no <laughs> um, so I am going to say something that's kind of crazy maybe to people but so as a kid of course who, oh my god Matt what is it uh so who did I who did I identify with Wesley right uh-huh yeah. What so Wesley in season a, two is written so much better. It's so much one. better. That's the, yeah, exactly. So I have always had a soft spot for the dolphin. Which oh is yeah. Falls really? With like the, yeah. With no, like that, the alien princess basically is a shapeshifter. Yeah. yeah. No, that it's, scene with Riker and Guinan is dynamite. That is a great scene where they essentially like yeah, it's funny. show Wes how to flirt and then get yeah. totally carried away with it. It's great. And then, and then just the whole like, you know, Oh, like Wes, like oh, cute little like Wes is so like smitten with this girl, and it's and it's cute, and then it involves shapeshifters, like they shapeshift into like creepy monsters and like little fight. teddy <laughs> evil teddy bear things. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> evil teddy bear. That's right. And then at one point, uh, the uh, his you know kind of wrinkly sourpuss like matron uh, morphs into <laughs> a young Machian Amic, you know from. Yeah. Um, from uh, Twin Peaks, and of course, these days, you know, the kids today know her from uh, Riverdale. Is like, um, but it's crazy though. It's like, whoa. But, um, but it's just sort of fun, and it's good natured, and it's West like trying being at his most sort of wide eyed, like wanting to be nice and like help this sort of you know trapped. Basically, she's like a trapped princess, like trapped in an agreement to go settle a dispute 
between two worlds and he shows her the holodeck and they have a nice very wholesome good time (laughs) (laughs) so it's just it's just nice it's kind of adorable it's pretty harmless and it features a lot of Wes who I you know totally identified with as like a kid because so for me so so I actually so there's my kind of totally out of left field pick but yeah I like this pick because it is pretty random like yeah it's it's not something that I would have guessed that you would pick or that it's not something I would pick right and it's just again like this is goes back to that hey if something from season two especially one of you know this kind of handful that I really like is on I would stop, you know, and finish watching it or something. This is Mm -hmm. one of them. Like, I would, you know. There's also, there's a bit at the end. And and not only was this like an episode where Wesley came into his own, but it was the same for Guinan, right? This is just where they realized we we weren't, you know, Gene couldn't have imagined that we'd have, that we lightning would strike with this character the way it would. And there's this bit where Wesley is is sort of a... um, licking his wounds and 10 forward and Guinan yep. comes up to him and she doesn't say anything. And he says, um, he says, uh, uh, this hurts worse than anything I've ever felt before. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And he's like, wait, you're supposed to say something comforting to me. That's like, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, it sucks. Sorry. Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Which is true. Like, and she's, you know, it's that whole like, well, it's your first love. It's going to, uh-huh. it's going to, it's always different. It's going to be different every time. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, Guinan doesn't isn't just the the ear to make you feel better. She's she's going to tell you the truth. Yep. And yeah, she's going to exactly. make you see that truth. She's like a mirror. You know totally. she she's gonna she's gonna say ask you a question that makes you realize what she's trying to say. So she doesn't even have to hardly say a word. It makes you realize it for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's very like true. a good therapist. Exactly. I love Ganon. Oh, I know Ganon's great. Oh, and I just remembered this is also uh, one of the ridiculous kind of wharf moments where Wesley's like basically asking dating advice of like all the senior officers. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah. yeah. And then Worf, of course, is Worf like you says, know, uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And he screams his head off, and he's like, "That's how uh-huh. a Klingon lures a maid." Okay. He, yeah. He's, it's he's so good. A- he says a lot, and I'm the only member of the shuttle pod who's single, so I, there's a line in Go ahead. that I think it, of Jared. all the time where he says, <laughs> go to her quarters, beg like a human. Yeah, and, that was great. And, and, and he's like, <laughs> I think, oh gosh, maybe I should just try roaring this time. That's right. And I, yeah, and then the other the other line that I love where, you know, so he, you know, Worf screams his head off basically, and Les is like, oh my God, are you telling me to go uh-huh. yell at her, you know? And he's like, no. Men do not roar. Women roar. Yeah. And then they hurl heavy objects. And you know? he's yeah, like, getting, right. and he's he's like, like getting all turned on. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's really like they into hurl it. heavy objects. <laughs> also, and that's just like classic Worf. Come there's on. There's a bit where, where Data says, you appear biologically compatible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Thanks, yeah, thanks Data. Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, couldn't Tasha have taught him a sweeter way to say that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so oh, parts fit together? Cool. He's got uh-huh. a pee-pee, and she's got a JJ. Exactly. <laughs> like, thanks, Data. Yeah, thanks, Data. Yeah. Although, he, he didn't actually know that, because he wouldn't really know what's under no. the hood, given no. that they given that they can shapeshift. Maybe he can well, he, they, discern they didn't know things that with, point. like, he That's can just, true. he can use his computer vision to discern more than the human eye. Mm. <laughs> 
and extrapolate. Uh, so, so wow, Data's the creeper over here then. Basically. Well, maybe he just does it based on like hip to waist ratio. The go- the there golden you go. mean. <laughs> yeah. There we go. He's that's like a, perfectly, He's like a human baby's head could come out of that. Perfectly G-rated. Okay. Okay. The other thing wow. is like the actress who played Celia. She was, was yep. way older than way older. So and you like, know, I didn't. You know, at, at the time, I didn't really think about it. But the second you th- you know that sort of factoid, and you look at it again, you're like, oh yeah, like whoa. Because you know, because because like, uh, what Will Wheaton really is like Wesley's age, right? He really is like an awkward like yeah, 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 kid. Yeah. And then the chick who plays Celia, who I'm trying to think of her name, she uh, was uh, Jamie, Jamie Hubbard. Hubbard. She's she was, what, like twenty. She was twenty eight at the time. Yeah, twenty eight, yeah. maybe twenty seven. Dang, I, I thought you'd be that? early twenties, but yeah, no, I, I didn't believe think it. she was that old. But now I gotta go look. At the she was born in 1962. 62, yeah, that's right. Well, so she, yeah. was, she was she was much older, yeah. yeah. Which is unfortunately actually is a trend in Hollywood to like do weird things like that, where they like team guys up with like better looking older women to make them look good, and then of course it flips. Then there's sure. like, older dudes who get teamed yeah, up with yeah. younger women, and you know. Oh, and it's weird. It's not, it's not just Hollywood. I mean, look at any Bollywood movie, and the male lead is going to be twice as old as the female. True, lead. true. Re- mm. Really, it's much. Yeah, most pop culture, unfortunately, does this yeah. kind of thing. Anyway, so this was a yeah. So that that was kind of weird. But and like, like I say, if you look, especially in the nice remasters, like you, unfortunately, you know, you can see Will Wheaton's a teenager with his teenage complexion. You know, like it's covered <laughs> up by makeup. But, so you know. cute. I know nothing you know that's not this you know nothing against it it just is it's just yeah. like oh, okay so but yeah it's it's a good cute very innocent you know thing with some cool shapeshifters and some good wharf moments and some great guidance moments so you could see why I would you know stop and watch it it's funny yeah it's not an episode I would have picked but it was really fun to talk about and you give yeah. you've given me a new appreciation for it the dolphin <laughs> cool yeah no, I I wouldn't have picked it either, but I loved this episode as a young man. It was it was designed exactly to pull in I, guys I, like I think Matt it was and exactly we yeah. I think it was designed. <laughs> yes, I guess it was, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well done, well done. Uh, three point shot from half court, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jared, do you have another pick you want to talk about? Uh, I have another TNG episode that I really like, and if if I've talked about this one at length before, stop me and I'll find a different one. But there's an, a fifth season episode I love called The Next Phase. Oh, yeah. You, Next Phase is great. We haven't really talked about it, I don't think so. I don't okay, think so. All right, then I will go off go on it. it. Okay, so a little yeah. plot summary. What happens is... It starts off, and there's a Romulan ship that has had a... It's, in, it's crashed or something. It's had technical problems. Enterprise very virtuously answers the distress call, and they come to help. And this was the same season as, as Unification, and so you can tell, like, Picard is probably motivated by some of the things that Spock has told him earlier in the year about how we need to reach out to these people. The uh, neutral zone needs to be torn down, all this kind of stuff. And what they find out is that the Romulans have been experimenting with not just with adding an extra component where their cloaking device doesn't just conceal them, but it allows them to phase through matter, right? Yeah. And yeah. and this is an Sneaky. idea that, yes, and and this <laughs> is an idea that they would come back to two years later with yes. the Pegasus, which That's is right. one of the few real gems of season seven, season. and mm-hmm. um, of course would introduce Terry O'Quinn into the franchise, who would become a sci-fi darling a few years later with Lost. Anyway, the crux of this episode is that Ensign Rowe and Chief Engineer LaForge 
are beaming over and they get caught in basically the phasing technology mm-hmm. and they get phased, right? Yep. And they wake up and Ensign Rowe is convinced they're dead because yeah. she thinks mm-hmm. they're, like ghosts. they're ghosts. Exactly, because they can walk through walls and no one can see them, so it's like they're ghosts. Um, and so the, at, at first she she has like a uh, uh, an awakening where she's like, I never believed in Bajoran religious traditions. I never believed in a life after death, and I guess I have to eat crow on this one. Uh, which, mm-hmm. if you're going to be proven wrong on something, you know, that's a pretty thing, okay thing to be proven wrong on. Meanwhile, <laughs> no kidding. Jordy's yeah. reaction is... Um, this is a puzzle and I need to fix it. We're not dead. We're just something, there's some right. kind of uh, disaster has gone, has gone on. And yeah, so Jordy's like, uh, Ro, get real. Like way weirder things have happened on this ship. Like, would you like me to tell you about the time that Wesley was stabbed through the back by a weird animal thing dressed like a Napoleonic soldier? That's right. Or the time um, that Deanna Troy was impregnated by a tiny point of light. Yes, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I like about this is it's setting up, uh, or regrets I have about this episode is setting up Ensign Row as a secular Bajoran would have made her a more interesting counterpoint to Cisco if, as they'd originally wanted, if she'd been the first officer instead of Major Kira, because because yeah. uh, yeah. mm-hmm. especially with her being Starfleet, when she argues with Cisco, she's arguing with her boss, right? But like when Kira would argue with Cisco, it's like arguing with the Pope, right? Yeah. It's like if she if if he's her religious figure, then he exists like beyond a chain of command in a way that didn't really work for some of the the conflict in the relationship that they wanted to do. Anyway, mm, segue. Yeah. So then what happens is when just as they think they've figured out what how they can solve this, they learn that they're not the only ones who have been phased, but a, a Romulan soldier has been phased as well, and now he's causing yep. problems for them. Right. And so that's the nice yep. twist. Like uh, at two thirds of the way through the episode, or halfway through the episode, I can't remember which. And so then they have to deal with that. And there's this awesome chase scene where they're running through That's the decks so of the Enterprise, because yeah. um, they can run through the walls. And there's mm-hmm. like this great moment where there's this guy doing push-ups, and you can tell the yep. the the, the uh, special effects guys were like, "Hey, let's try to really show off here." And they run through the guy while he's like going up and down doing his push-ups. And then there's a bit where where Ro, like, ducks behind a, a wall, and as the guy comes running through, the Ryman comes running through, she, like, kicks him in the chest because she can, like, sneak attack him. It's just, <laughs> it's just spectacular. It's just a great science fiction concept um, with some fun action and some great character moments. Again, not a heavy episode. You're probably never going to see this on, like, a documentary about the Star Trek episodes that change the world, Right. But it's just great science fiction. And there's some great comedy in it, too. You mentioned that that um, uh, Magnificent Ferengi is one of the very few, like, straight comedy episodes. This one certainly isn't, but there's some great laughs in there. Like, there's this, this fun moment where Riker reveals, not realizing that Roe and Geordi are eavesdropping, where he reveals that he wants to give her eulogy, right? Yep. And Roe's yep. like, wait, what are you going to say about me? Because this is yeah. after... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ca- conundrum which we rewatched oh in our yes group a couple yes. weeks ago where they had um uh, uh he had boldly gone into uh, <laughs> yeah so well, that's right when they didn't right? know who they were they yeah uh, yeah yeah and so you're like well this could be cute and also as much as i love jonathan frakes and marina Sirtis for 14 years 
the only time those two ever had any kind of chemistry was in Insurrection, right? The rest <laughs> of the time, it's like, yeah. what is he seeing her and what is she seeing him, right? And so for this nice flirty relationship that, that he and Michelle Forbes were able to portray, it's like, oh, this would have been great. And, of course, it was more fun to not hear what he was going to say than it was to hear what he would have said. Cause oh, they, yeah, because it would yeah, never have been so funny. Yeah. And there's this great moment where they realize the only way to alert Data to the fact that they've been phased is because just their bodies can't create enough, like, inverteron particles or whatever the heck it is. But the Romulan disruptor pistol can. And so yep. she walks up to Riker and says, well, he's playing the trombone, I think. And he says, well, now <laughs> I'm never right. going to hear what you were going to say about me. And she shoots him in the head. That's with right. The head is such a great, yeah. Beautiful little <laughs> moment. And there's, uh, I actually didn't think it was a great episode, but the uh, um, the Maquis episode is Next Generation um, uh, 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 where Ensign Rowe got written off. It was going to be called The Good oh, Fight. Yeah. And then they changed it yes. to like preemptive strike or something terrible. Yes, like preemptive that. strike. Yeah, yeah. they were going to yeah. call the episode okay. "The Good Fight," but that was right before "All Good Things," so they didn't want to have the word "good" there twice. Um, and and they're on a ship together where she like betrays him, and before she betrayed him, I wanted there to be a callback to this where she said, "What were you going to say about me?" I thought that yeah. might have been cute, but yeah. they didn't do it. But that's okay. Um, anyway, this is a spectacular episode. It's a lot of fun. It's good science fiction, and. I hope that we all, when we need a little comfort, can remember this late season five masterpiece. This yes, was, it's a great choice. This is a great choice. It's, yeah, it's an episode that, like, yeah, I think for me, too, it, it would have made my top of, like, um, comfort food episodes. I just haven't thought about it in so long. It's like yeah. if someone mentions it, it's like, oh, yeah, I love that one. Like, just like you said, if I was flipping through it on TV or if it just came up randomly, you know, it's making me want to go watch it again. Oh, yeah, I would absolutely stop and watch it. No There's also, I think this is the episode that introduced Ro wearing like a red hairband. And I remember mm. there was one time I went to like a trampoline place with my brother and his kids and my niece had hair cut just like Michelle Forbes and was wearing like a pink hairband. And I took a picture and sent it to everyone. I'm like, look, my niece looks like Anson Ro. <laughs> anyway, that's my trick dope for the day. <laughs> nice. Anyway, any any other thoughts on this episode, or do we want to move on? Well, I I love it. That's not much more to say. I, I and I will say also they did a great job. Like it's very, it's actually very special effects heavy, but not like in a, you know, explosions way. But in a think about all that work they had to do to have them like you know put their hand through a console, especially in the nineties, right? Think yeah, all the work it was for them, mm-hmm. and it's great. It works so well. Yeah. yeah any any computer effects pre. Star Wars The Phantom Menace, you have to give a little bit more of a benefit to because there wasn't that huge leap forward, and they did a, a great job with this. Yeah, they really did. Well, should I give my next pick? Yeah, please go do. for it. So my second and final uh, pick of my top two um, comfort food episodes is another TNG episode. Um, I was being generous by throwing one DSI in there. Because <laughs> um, I could just say every TNG episode yeah. ever. I, yeah. I thought about um, being a contrarian and saying um, encounter at Farpoint, but <laughs> that would have been a lie and also just simply contrarian. You, so I you're won't. Just, you're goading us. Also, you need like 90 minutes for that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's another podcast for another day. Mm. Um, so the, my pick is a TNG episode called Remember Me. Oh, yeah. Um, Good choice. This is 
a really fun episode. It's a Beverly-centric episode, and I love Beverly, and Gates really, I think, knocks that out of the park in this one. Yeah, she does. It's the episode where um, something happens, something, something, technobabble. Wesley has an experiment with a warp bubble, and yeah. Beverly gets trapped in the warp bubble, and from Beverly's perspective, so Beverly like disappears from reality, but from Beverly's perspective, um, everything's normal at first, and then people slowly start disappearing. And they start disappearing in a way that like no one else has ever heard of that person before. Yeah, There's no record they of them. Cease to exist in the universe, like they, as if they've never yeah. existed. Yeah, it's crazy. Until it gets down to the point where it's just her left on the mm-hmm. ship. Um, and a couple of things that I love about this episode. One, like I said, that it's Beverly centric, and she's always been one of my favorite characters because she is um, a strong female character, but still quite feminine. So a lot of strong female characters, particularly in that era, were more like a Tasha Yar type of character, mm-hmm, um, yeah. where they were they were masculine presenting, they were sure. tough, they didn't yeah. do anything that was considered girly or dainty, um, and and Beverly was like like a mom. She was like the mom next door who had kids and took them to soccer yeah. practice, and she was um, like a like a very traditional mom woman of her age, and yet she was a badass. You know, she was smart and she was sophisticated and she could hold her own. And that it, it, that always gave me a feeling, especially looking back on it as an adult woman, realizing that I can be both of those things. You know, I can mm-hmm. be feminine and strong. And so I think that had a lasting influence on me, which I one of the reasons I was really drawn to her and to this episode. I, I also think Gates McFadden was good at humor, which is what I wanted to interject there. Which is important, too, because she's got some great one-liners in this. Yeah, and, and so I, I love this episode, too, because it's um, it's relatively lighthearted. Like, it's got drama, obviously. Something's happening, and there's a ticking clock. Um, but she gets to go through it like a scientist. And you mm. get to see her scientific method and her asking the kinds of questions that are funny when you say them out loud because they sound so ridiculous, but that are actually legitimate questions. So mm-hmm. my perhaps my favorite line in all of star trek definitely on like my top 10 favorite lines of star trek is when she is really trying to figure this out she can't get it right and she's starting to she she's about to turn the stone to realize that it, that there that that there's something wrong with the universe itself yep and she says as she's asking the computer all these questions she says if there's not if there's nothing wrong with me there must be something wrong with the universe yeah. And it's like, I love that because that's outrageous. It's like, you you know, but once you've hit your head against the wall so many times, you've, you're like, I keep doing this thing and I can't get it right. What, what am I doing wrong? And finally you said, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's the, it's the system that's wrong. It's the universe that's wrong. And that, you know, in this case, it was literally true. And in other cases, you know, in a, a project you might be working on or a math equation you might be trying to solve, it can be figuratively true. You know, I'm not, and that's often the turning point in a lot of TV shows too, or movies, where the character says, "Hey, I think we're looking at this the wrong way. We, sh- what if we do X?" And it's like a totally different, different. It's just like in fact in the um in the Magnificent Ferengi, where um, at first they're all trying to train to be fighters, to be soldiers, to go up against the Jem'Hadar so they can like have a battle to win Mookie back. Yeah, yeah. And um, and um, uh. Rom, I think, is when he yeah, says, hey, we're going at, about this the wrong way. Like, we're Ferengi. You know, we 
we should be, we're negotiators and we make deals. That's what we should be doing. Yep. And it's that same kind of sentiment just taken like far too literally. So I always really loved that. I really loved this episode. Um, and it's fun to see too the other characters reacting um, when, mm-hmm. when <laughs> it's so funny. It gets to the point where there's no one left um, on the ship except for Beverly and Picard. So <laughs> and Beverly's at questioning Picard. He's like, she's like, you never thought it was strange that there's only two of us on this ship, on the on the Federation, you know, Starfleet's um, no, number one ship, flagship. Flag there's only two of us on here, and there's no other crew. And he just looks at her and goes, uh-huh. "Well, we've never needed a crew before." Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that's how you know there's something very wrong. She's like, like "Are you insane? Yeah. What are? Why are all there so many bedrooms? Why are there extra? Like, yeah. yeah. I love you know it. what? This reminds me of, can I cite a Buffy the Vampire Slayer precedent, Kayla? Is that okay? Ooh, please. There's an episode where um, when they first go to college and Buffy is convinced that her roommate, that she literally has the roommate from hell. <laughs> that she's a demon. That's right. Yeah. And 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 her, her friends keep, and Giles keep saying, no, 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 she's not from hell. You just need to get along with her. This is part of college. This is normal. And then like three quarters of the way through the episode is revealed that this roommate is in fact from hell (laughs) (laughs) yep i one of my favorite lines from that episode when she's trying to convince her friends that she's a demon that her roommate is a demon she's like she irons her jeans she's evil uh yeah that's highly suspect let's be real (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) love it anyway we digress the the other thing is the the little old man who plays her uh her mentor dr quace I believe his name is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Again, because uh, uh, there's so much crossover between Seinfeld and Star Trek because they cast so many people at the same time period. But he was in an episode of Seinfeld where to try to justify their existence, they start, like, volunteering uh, with old people to, like, go to their houses and talk to them. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. And Jerry gets, like, this terrible, cranky old man who doesn't want to be comforted at all. He's just angry and wants to yell at them. Um and so he's just this awful, awful person. And so to contrast that character with this this sweet mentor of our Dr. Crusher always it gave me a little bit of a, a grin in the 90s. <laughs> totally. So that's my final pick. Remember me. Yeah, very Great good. pick. Great pick. This episode, it it's a, feels a lot like a Twilight Zone episode. It totally does. Yeah. <laughs> In the best way possible, you know? Yes. I was trying to remember who wrote it. I was just looking it up, and it's not anyone that, like, I'm familiar with. It's a guy named Lee Sheldon. Hmm. But, you know, the Twilight Zone thing especially made me think, like, that would be a Braga, maybe, kind of thing, because he's really into the the horror and, you know, sure. sort of Twilight the Zone. Sure, weird it's stuff. Not. It feels yeah, very Braga, not. the episode. Yeah, it's not. So, anyway, yeah. How about you, Matt? What's your final pick? Oh my goodness, I know. So I was having a hard time picking one more because it's like, well, I could say that or I could go with this. Ah, what? Which one do I want to say? Um, I'm going to go a little out of, could go another left field kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to pick a TOS adjacent property that also <laughs> I feel a lot of, you know, childhood memories for, which is the animated series. All Ooh. right. Uh-huh. 
So I've, I've been torn about which one because there's so many kind of goofy but fun ones or like kind of, you know, the anime series is, is definitely funky. Like it's very sp- kind of unique. Um, mm-hmm. So I landed on, though, I think the one I'm going to champion for fun is the Infinite Vulcan, a.k.a. the giant Spock. Oh, yeah. okay. That's the one that I, okay, on our Slack thread, that's where I have my uh, avatar from is a screen capture yes, from is. the Infinite yep. Vulcan. I love that. Yep. Well yep. done. It's a it's very it's very interesting of course like very implausible that you can make people giant for you know all kinds of physics reasons and you know our bodies and stuff but it's fun um it's also really kind of interesting because it picks up on the eugenics wars again oh sure yeah the scientist oh what's his name now i'm trying to think of it that they find is uh oh yeah dr stavos caniculus although he's the fifth one because he's a clone um was some cast out uh eugenics wars you know crazy cloning scientist so they picked that through you know there's a thread of that back up again about the eugenics wars and you know genetic engineering again and also it's a very cool episode for like alien species that could never be a thing in live action trek at the time of course there's the cool there's the cool phylosians, which are like mm-hmm. plant people that mm-hmm, I've right. always, I've always thought basically look like they're like living raspberries. Like their head is basically mm-hmm. a raspberry, you know? <laughs> um, so I've always liked that. Well, I and totally forgot about the phylosians. They're so yeah, cool. They're cool. Yeah. And so again, that's things like you could just never do, and especially of course in live action Trek in the you know early seventies at that time. No way could you do that. Without it looking like, you know, lost uh, a goofy ass person like from Lost in Space, it would be a lost and cheesy Lost in Space monster of the week. It wouldn't look good at all. So, anyway, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so that you introduce the, them. Um, there's you know crazy. There's crazy flying you know bat things too that are just <laughs> reused actually a few times in the animated series because they do love to reuse things. Um, but. It's just cool, and then the, it's, and then there's the crazy cool thing of, apparently he this guy's the cloning giant versions of himself, and he's uh, gonna clone a giant version of Spock, because why I don't know you know just because, um, and Spock you know Spock the clone is able to save the original Spock's life by doing a <laughs> Vulcan mind touch, because of course. They don't need a full hand for a meld because he's a giant finger. So he puts one giant finger so, on Tiny Spock's head, you know. So and... all this stuff with the refusion and Faltor Pan and, you know, this has not been right. done since ages past. We didn't need to do any of that in Search for Spock. We just needed a giant Vulcan with one right. magic finger. With one touch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so... And then, uh, I mean, but there is like a serious thread, which is like, just like all, apparently all crazy people from the eugenics wars, they are into, you know, making master races. So there's a weird thread where this guy thinks he's going to make a master race of giant um, space police, basically, (laughs) which is pretty (laughs) nutty. (laughs) Um, But it's a lot of fun. And I should point out, it's, it's written by Mr. Chekhov himself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, this was their, this was their consolation to him. Right, exactly. Because he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, invited to participate for for a variety of budgetary reasons. Yeah. Is what I've always read. Um, Right. It's a, it's, yes, variety of sort of real and 
not real reasons i would say yeah um you know kind of glossed over reason but there they let him write and you know it's pretty fun it's pretty cool it's pretty funky like most of the animated series it's super memorable it's one of the two or three most memorable episodes from the animated series yeah i I think especially for the giant spock doing a touch on mini spock you know Mm -hmm. like that picture is something i always like i think of when i think of the animated series right like that's yesteryear (laughs) yep this (laughs) and you you have no choice but to not think about it since i every time i send you a message on slack that is true it's your picture yeah it's your (laughs) profile picture so can i can i tell you my favorite moment in this episode yeah i I actually have a video of this on my, I put, posted it on my YouTube channel six years ago. It's at the very end. It's like the he maniest ending of any of the animated series episodes where it has yeah. nothing to do with the episode. Where, like, at one point there was a fight and Sulu did, like, some awesome judo throw. And mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the episode, Kirk says, Hey, Sulu, do you mind teaching me that, that judo throw? And he says, Well, sir, it's not just physical. You have to be inscrutable. And Kirk and and Kirk says, "Scrutable, Sulu, you're the inscrutable, Sulu, you're the most scrutable man I know." Which, what does that even mean? I don't and, know. It's yeah. kind of insulting, maybe. And then they're like, "Ha ha ha." Yeah, and then I think that's Sulu the joke, though, right? The... Is it doesn't you can't be scrutable? That's not a thing. I, I don't. That's a good question. Kim. That's true. It's sort of like how we say overwhelmed or superstitious, but we don't say whelmed or stitious. So exactly. Maybe it's a joke about. Um, uh, 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 not prepositions. What's the part of speech that, uh, anyway. Um, but then Sulu uh, then turns and looks at the camera and winks. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so odd. Why, why did they think that that was okay? Like, no, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and, so scrutable. Wink. Like, okay. okay. Yeah. And we can, we can use this image. Uh, um, uh, yeah, actually, to promote should. the episode, <laughs> but it's just ridiculous. I remember I was watching it with my friends, like in ninth grade or something. We all saw it and said, "Wait, what? What did he just say?" And then we had to like go rewatch it. Like, yeah, that makes no sense at all. It is, it is like the ultimate He-Man ending. No, and then they all laugh ridiculously. Anyway, <laughs> yes. love it. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Awesome. Matt, that's a great pick. I think that may have to be our, like, header image when we publish this as an article. Uh, Winking Sulu? I'm I writing just, this yeah. down. I, I just put it in. To happen. I just put it in our Skype group chat. All right. And that then a link to, to the video. <laughs> All right. Well, we may have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that That is, like, a thing, though. Like, they, you know, all cartoons, especially like seventies and eighties cartoons, felt they had to wrap up like that. Yeah, there had to be something hilarious, a little wink to the odd, break the fourth wall somehow, or you know. Mm-hmm. And like, well, and TOS did that kind of thing sometimes yeah, too. It did oh with, yeah, like, they, jokes, they were guilty of that about wrap up. Uh, Spock or whatever, and yes, then casual uh, racism towards Spock. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and then everyone laughs. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. they even on the. Uh, um, the Gittle, uh, no, 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 on the the episode of Saturday Night Live with the where Shatner gave the save the get a life thing, when they do like a spoof of Star Trek, he makes a little joke about Spock like that. Where he says, Mr. Spock, you're becoming more human every day. Ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a thing. Very much a thing. Those of us in this conversation who were fortunate enough to 
be raised in the 90s, you have no idea what you missed. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is six really awesome episodes. So there you have it. Six um, really fun episodes of Star Trek from various... I'm glad that we worked in... Um, a lot of different uh, series as well. I was I was worried it would just be like TNG and US. So we had yeah, some it's like Deep a little, Space Nine. You know, it's like a little buffet. Go help yourself to whatever is your comfort food. Exactly. You know? A little TAS. And if you haven't watched the original mm. series, maybe give the Infinite Vulcan a try. It's fun. You can laugh along. Um, and the Phylogians are like freaking cool. They're cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's it for this week, guys. It's just uh, it's too bad that Brian couldn't join us this week, huh? Brian, well, he's the most scrutable man I know. (laughs) (laughs) 